0: Hello, this is Joyce Davis bringing you another episode of Battleground PA. Today, we're going to talk about a new poll that's just been released by Franklin and Marshall College. And with us to discuss this poll that looks at the political leanings and sentiments of Pennsylvanians, we have Dr. G. Madonna, who's director of the Center for Politics and Public Affairs at Franklin and Marshall College, and we also have Penn Live's new political columnist, John Baer.
1: This is Battleground VA, a Penn Live podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in our state that will shape the battle for your vote in the 2020 presidential
0: elections. Today, I am really uh, delighted to have two people that I think will add a lot to the conversation. We're going to focus in on a recent poll that has been done by Franklin and Marshall that will give us a little insight into how Pennsylvanians are feeling these days. If you want to join the conversation, you can do so on Twitter and on Facebook at Battleground PA. And I'd like to ask you to rate us and to subscribe if you would be so kind. But right now, we're going to delve into the issues that were raised by the recent poll Franklin and Marshall did to assess the political sentiments of Pennsylvanians. We have with us Dr. G. Terry Madonna, and of course, we have with us John Bayer. Welcome, both gentlemen. We're ready to get started. I want to thank G. Terry Madonna, because he's given us kind of a roadmap into the poll. And we'll start right there. And the first question I want to ask him, this poll reveals a lot about how people feel about the impeachment inquiry, about how they feel about the state of Pennsylvania's government, about how they feel about marijuana. So what were, what were, were there any surprises to you in this?
1: Well, one of the surprises that... Uh you know, it struck me as a bit unusual, but not out of the question, is 57% of the state's registered voters, 57% said the state's heading in the right direction. That's a very, very high number, and it's kind of consistent with uh, Tom Wolf's job performance, which is above 50%. But then the more you think about it, when we get to the national issues and the national polls, for example, on the state of the economy, whether we're talking about the direction of the country, those numbers are much lower than they are in our state. And I think a lot of that has to do with the controversial nature of the Trump presidency, much less about how well the economy is doing. But in this state, not arguably, even though we have one of the most conservative legislatures in modern history and not arguably either a liberal governor – The back and forth is much more restrained. No one would ever accuse Governor Wolf of making outlandish statements. He's very controlled in terms of his dialogue and his rhetoric. He's not given to outlandish speech. This year, the budget was done early, not just on time, but early. It included no tax hikes, and it included substantial increases in education funding for the public schools, something that's been very popular with the voters. And, And our unemployment is around 4%. A job creation has been getting better, so overall, on one level, I understand it. But fifty-seven percent is pretty high, yeah. given past responses to the questions about whether the state's headed in
2: the right direction. John, or not.
0: in your history of reporting on the state, is this unusual? They have a fifty-seven <laughs> percent.
2: <laughs> yeah, it really is, uh, Joyce, because uh, Pennsylvania has always been uh, quite contentious uh, about uh, its government and its legislature, and now there's apparently this. Period of peace and calm, and the question, I guess, is, does it sustain itself into 2020 and into the election cycle? And if it does, does that mean Pennsylvania won't be all riled up come November of uh, next year? So it is both different and interesting to look forward and see it, whether or not it's sustained.
0: So Pennsylvanians are happy about their commonwealth.
2: Well, but- and and more than that, Joyce, the other the other number, and and uh, I'm sure Terry would agree, the other number that attracted me was, are you better off financially than you were a year ago or about the same? And that drew some pretty big numbers too. I mean, 52%, a majority said, yeah, we're, we're about the same and you know, we're not unhappy. And 30%, a third of registered voters said that they're better off yep. financially than mm-hmm. they were a year ago. So on the surface anyway, you would think, well, that would bode well for any incumbent. The economy is more a national issue than a local issue. So you could argue that for the moment, and I understand this is a snapshot, this is right now, but for the moment anyway, that would seem to argue in favor of the incumbent president. It would, except
0: the second bullet point that you have, Dr. Madonna, is only one in three. Thirty-five percent of registered voters believe that the United States is headed in the right direction. And these are, let, sure. let's stop here. These are Pennsylvanians. There are 482 Pennsylvania registered voters correct. that you sampled. Tell That's us correct. about that. Give us the background.
1: Well, if yeah, I mean, 482 registered voters, 226 Democrats, 188 Republicans, and 68 independents. I get this question all the time. People say, whoa, 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 you have more Democrats than Republicans. How can you do that? Well, the simple answer is we're talking about registered voters. And they're About 850,000 more what I call active Democrats than Republicans. By active, I mean people who vote. You know, Mm. people can stay on the rolls for a bit of time, vote infrequently or or not vote at all. And so if you're just – we're not doing likely voters here. Now, that could vary. You could have more Republicans who –
0: So you're not doing super voters.
1: No, we're not doing – no, we're not doing people who – we're not asking people if they're going to vote in the next election. We're looking – this far out remember we're a year away from the presidential election. So we just ask we just took registered voters randomly selected and the numbers that are here, two two six D's, one eighty eight Rs, and sixty eight independents, reflect the proportion of registered voters in the state. Got, it. And, got and, it. and
0: of those registered voters, they're not feeling as good about the direction of the no. country as they are about the direction of their own state.
1: No, you're right. Uh, 35% think the state is heading in the right direction. And by the way, 37% of registered voters believe that Trump has done a good enough job to deserve reelection. 35% say he's doing an excellent or good job. So I think there's a strong correlation. And whether you're a supporter of President Trump or not, that's, that's fine. But you can't argue that he's not controversial. You can't argue that we are deeply divided as Americans with... I'll throw out a couple of numbers with 90 to 95 percent of Democrats giving the president a negative job performance. And conversely, depending on the polls, you could get 84, 85 to 90 percent of Republicans giving him a positive job performance. But here's the irony. When the question gets asked and we didn't ask it, about handling the economy, Trump handling the economy, it's 50% positive Mm. on the real clear politics average. So the bottom line is, and I don't know if John would agree with this, I think much of the questions about the direction of the country have as much to do with President Trump as it does with the economy. as opposed to the economy.
0: Exactly. exactly. John White, the economy, it does not really seem to be the galvanizing issue for this election, at least not so far.
2: Well, they always say that it will be. Uh, Maybe it isn't at the moment because people are generally feeling pretty good in Pennsylvania about their own economy. The other thing, Joyce, that really struck me was, and Terry is smart to point this out, Trump's number, Trump's 35% number, is exactly the number that Barack Obama had at this stage in his presidency. So incumbent presidents a year out from reelection, in the absence of a really intense campaign uh, generally don't do w- well. And, and Terry knows this. I've always argued that in any poll— I I firmly believe that people are not honest with
0: pollsters,
2: (laughs) especially when they're asked very controversial questions such as, what do you think of President Trump?
0: And it's important, I think, to note that uh, this poll was done uh, during the week of October 21st through 27th, so it's a snapshot. It's a look at how people were feeling at that time. The One thing that I would point out, too, that, yes, this was the rate of of President Obama at the time, but he wasn't facing impeachment inquiry. So will that change?
1: Yeah, but there's another matter is that we didn't have the kind of polarization that we do now. Again, if 10 percent of Democrats vote for President Trump next fall, he ought to wake up break open the champagne, right, and get the uh, shrimp and lobster hors d'oeuvres out because it'll be a victory. We're so polarized now. If President Trump has a good week, his job performance goes up two points. If he has a bad week, it goes down two points. The range of President Trump's job performance is only about eight or nine points. But you can have a Barack Obama, who could be in the mid-40s or even lower, end up in the 50% range. So the narrowness of the range for President Trump is narrower than any president since we've had scientific polling because of the polarization that John referred to.
0: Well, we can come back and talk more about Trump because that clearly is, is one of the issues that you delved into here. But let's talk. Pennsylvania-specific issues for a little bit. And I want to start with guns. And I bring that up because in my Facebook Live session, the first that I had yesterday, that was the topic. People wanted to talk about guns, uh, whether laws should be passed, the red flag laws, all of that. And you clearly have delved into this issue and have found, from what I can see, the majority of people, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, want some sort of reasonable control on weapons.
1: Yeah, we've asked this question now uh, for some time on the poll, and the question wording is, generally speaking, do you favor or oppose creating more laws that regulate gun ownership? Now, this is sort of a generic question. It's not specific to an individual kind of of gun control. We'll get to that. So 46% strongly favor, 14% somewhat favor. So you're well over 50% that favor more laws that regulate gun ownership. And then when we asked the question about do you favor or oppose enhancements to the background check, again, we didn't mention specifically what that could be, but 75% of Pennsylvania registered voters strongly support enhancing background checks. 13% somewhat support. So look what we're talking about. We're talking about 88% 88% 88% support enhancing our background checks. Then we do get into some specifics. Would you favor or oppose giving courts the ability to seize a person's firearm if they are judged to be a threat to themselves or others, otherwise known as red flag laws? Again, you have a huge percentage of people, 80%, you know. 80 per- as
0: I, I'm right. That's where the real majority correct. is wanting to uh, correct. have laws that protect people who are considered dangerous. Correct. Right? And this is, and, uh, John, this is a vast difference, I would think, from what from where the state has been in, in the past, huh?
2: It, it is, except it doesn't change anything. I mean, we still have a legislature that has, I mean, the appropriate chairman of the appropriate committee has publicly said there will be no gun laws going forward.
0: Let, let's stop right there. How is it? Explain to us how the majority of people could want to move, the majority of Pennsylvanians can want to move forward on this most important issue but you can have one or a few legislators block it. What is that? John, you can explain that to us.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, Joyce. Good that, luck, John. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Joyce, that's politics and that's, and that's how it works. Uh, I mean, people who, who, who rise to power in the legislative process have their own ideology and their own constituency and they play to that rather than to the majority. Pick your issue. It's not just guns. It's on anything else that you want to talk about. And that's why a lot of people think there ought to be, for example, term limits on chairmanships. Mm. If you don't want term limits on lawmakers, how about term limits on chairmanships? Without that, we're going to go forward as a state and and not move on the things that people want in controversial areas. And there are very few as controversial as gun violence.
0: Right. Well, uh, even on the other issue you take up, marijuana, legalization of marijuana. But there seems to be clear support. Fifty-eight percent of voters want to legalize recreational marijuana. Yep.
1: yep. We first but you have
0: a block in the legislature, right?
1: Right. Yep. Well, we asked the uh, question the, for the first time in May of two thousand and six. Twenty-two percent favored the legalization of marijuana. We're talking about recreational marijuana, not medicinal marijuana. And so, twenty-two percent back in 2006. Now the last time I looked that wasn't a lifetime ago. We're talking about a little a little more than a decade. And I don't think it should surprise anyone when we get into some of the details of this that 67% of Democrats do only 45% of Republicans, but that's still a pretty high percentage mm-hmm. for Republicans. And here's here's the one that I like. Under 35. You got this young voters. favored. Does that surprise (laughs) anybody here? And by the way, African-Americans are much less likely to support it than, I'll put it this way, non-white Pennsylvanians than white Pennsylvanians by a significant percentage. And the other pretty significant difference lies in whether or not you have a college degree or not. If you have a college degree, you're more likely to support it. So I think basically there's some pretty significant what we call demographic differences But overall, we have a conservative legislature. They're not going to—John's the expert on this. I don't think in any time soon they're going to adopt recreational marijuana legalization, despite the fact that we have a lieutenant governor who strongly supports it, and Governor Wolf recently has come out in favor of it. It's just not going to happen. Just as John pointed out about gun control, it's just not going to happen.
2: Well, and the key there, Joyce, is that 44 percent among Republicans who do not favor it You have a Republican legislature, so until or unless you have a majority of Republican voters who support legalization, it, as Terry says, it's not going to happen. So
0: no matter what the people say, no matter what the polls say, they're going to stick to their guns. Or and the the other thing, the
2: other thing I loved in the poll was when Terry asked the question, "Would you favor legalization and it's controlled and sold through the state stores?" The number plummets because Mm, because forty percent, forty percent would back off. Their support.
0: No, I didn't understand that. Do they not trust the state stores to manage this or what?
1: Look, I think what's going on here is that Pennsylvanians say if it becomes legal, leave it in the private sector, don't put it in the hands of state government. Yeah. And maybe they just don't want to go in and buy a bottle of wine or a bottle of whiskey and say you can buy pot at the same time.
2: (laughs) Well, somebody pointed (laughs) out to me look, there's probably some residual resentment to the state store system from years gone by before it made vast improvements. And secondly, if you're looking to get high and it's Saturday night, then what? Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: so, so this is more distrust of the state stores than it is of, you yeah. know, all right. OK, um, well, why don't we take a break here and uh, I'm going to come back. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the Democratic primary and how Pennsylvanians feel about that. Well, welcome back to Battleground PA, and we have with us G. Terry Madonna, Franklin and Marshall College, as well as John Bayer, Live's political columnist. So if you want to join us with this conversation, you can do so on Twitter and on Facebook at Battleground PA. And we do ask that you rate us and that you subscribe. And if you've got ideas for future podcasts, why don't you email it to topics at battlegroundpa.org, topics at battlegroundpa.org. So let's resume, gentlemen. We're going to focus now on one aspect of the recent Franklin and Marshall poll that looks at the Democratic primary and the popularity of the candidates. And of course, we have to look at Joe Biden who has certainly weathered a storm himself. Now, you, in your poll, you have Joe Biden as clearly the favorite in Pennsylvania. Tell us about that. Well,
1: that should come as no surprise. I've not seen a single state poll dealing with the horse race question for the Democratic nomination for the presidency that doesn't have Biden in the lead. We have Biden with a 12-point lead. He's at 30. Elizabeth Warren is second at 18, followed by Bernie Sanders at 12, and Mayor Pete Buttigieg at 8. But why does this surprise anyone? Number one, Biden, scranton born. His dad lost his job, moved the family when Biden was 10 to Wilmington, Delaware. Biden then went on to be a United States senator from Delaware for 36 years. And as John Baer knows, because he worked for a Philadelphia newspaper, the Philadelphia media market covered Joe Biden's career extensively for 36 years. He traveled throughout the state on a regular basis. He has a lot of friends and a lot of acquaintances here. And by the way, little known, the state of Delaware, it's three counties. We have 67. Delaware has three. (laughs) Do not have commercial television. So when Philadelphia television was covering Joe Biden's Senate career, it was all through the southeastern part of our state and up into the Lehigh Valley. And he's got close friends in Senator Casey who's endorsed him and three or four Pennsylvania members of our congressional delegation who've endorsed him. The problem he has is our primary is not until April 28. And you have to go back to 1984 until Pennsylvania mattered in the nomination process for either party because of the late date of our primary. But I don't think there's any doubt right now, and anything could change, Biden, I think, would comfortably win our state. I don't know what John thinks about that, that.
2: I have uh, I have never agreed with anybody about Biden, um, <laughs> uh, and I, and I'll tell you why. I mean, if you look at him historically as a as a presidential candidate, there isn't any evidence to support the idea of his electability because he had two disastrous presidential campaigns himself. His electability has never been tested. The only place he has been elected is in this tiny little state in Delaware, and as the running mate of arguably the most exciting presidential candidate in our lifetimes. So what is it about Joe Biden that people say, oh, he's the most electable?
0: And yet I think the argument goes, as reflected by the polls, at least by this poll and by others, that people tend to think he's the only one that has a chance at beating Trump.
2: And and I think that a big part of that is what Terry was talking about, familiarity. I think that Even now, when we have supposedly this overly engaged electorate, even now, there are still issues like, do you know the person? What do you know about them? And Biden clearly has a lead in that. As we move forward, I mean, you can see in the national coverage, you can see Biden starting to slip a little bit. And oddly, in Pennsylvania, the reverse is happening. Mm. We, We see Warren gaining ground nationally. We see Biden slipping a little bit nationally. But if you look at our Pennsylvania poll, the FNM poll, not by a lot of numbers, but by a couple of numbers, it's just the opposite. Biden's number, 30 percent, is up since August.
0: Why do you think that is? Why would he be in- increasing here and decreasing elsewhere, especially in light of all the attacks on him? I mean, with his son and all of that, has that yeah, had but, any? Well, Did that just yeah, wash off? I mean,
1: I think John is right. The question of is Biden ultimately electable is an important question. He's not exactly had great debates. But what's interesting is his numbers, certainly nationally, have been around the 28, 29 percent range. What's going on is Elizabeth Warren has risen in the polls as she has taken support away from the other two, two other progressives, one particularly Bernie Sanders and to some extent Kamala Harris. So Warren has come up. It's not so much that Biden has gone down. Again, nationally, he's 28, 29, 30%, pretty much where we are in our state, which doesn't surprise me. But the big takeaway is, and John's right, can Biden sustain a long presidential campaign? Let's forget the nomination for the moment. Can he sustain that? And no one knows for sure because he is gaff prone. He does have problems getting his message out. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be kind to him and put it that way. But He's also the candidate that Donald Trump doesn't want to run against because Joe Biden has appeals to moderate and conservative Democrats. He could peel off some Republicans and he's nicknamed what working class Joe because he does have relationships and friendships and an appeal to the very voters, the working
2: class voters that elected uh, Donald J. Trump president. Here's another uh, underlying factor, Joyce, that I think could become significant, and it it has to do with media coverage. I believe the national press is bored by Biden and loves the idea of a strong, liberal, insurgent candidate catching fire. Hmm. And so whenever there is a tweak either for Elizabeth Warren or against a Joe Biden, I think the national media just piles on that and changes the conversation away from electability to just... What is exciting? What do people, you know, people love a horse race.
0: Well, the media wants excitement, that's for sure. We yeah. want a good story. <laughs> well, there are a
1: couple of other points that I think are important to make. Number one, when we ask people by ideology, imagine this, only 24% of liberals support him in Pennsylvania, mm. but 40% of moderates. How, how about this one? High school educations or less, 39%, college degrees twenty six percent and this is true nationally as well as in our state vice president biden's huge support comes from the african American community where he gets forty three percent of the vote in our polls and nationally he leads and that 's probably his connection with president obama i don't think there's any any doubt about that so there's some very significant differences by a variety of demographics and guess where a lot of his uh, support comes from up in the Northeast. Now, I wonder why it would be up in the Northeast in Lackawanna County, in, Scrant- in Scranton, <laughs> right. PA, in central Pennsylvania. His weakest, among his weakest support is the city of Philadelphia, except uh. with the African American community there. So you can see that Biden sort of represents a very different element in the party, as John was articulating quite well. He's not the progressive. So the battle right now is between the center-left candidates like Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg on the one hand and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders at the far left of the party in in what we now call the progressive wing. And
0: you still get, though, to this issue of electability because the same argument could be made of Elizabeth Warren. Is is a far-left or a left-left candidate really electable in the general election with Americans? I mean— So you got an electability question with Joe Biden. You've got an electability question with Elizabeth Warren. Do the Democrats have a chance (laughs) with their candidates?
2: I I mean, I'm I'm ready to argue that the Democrats are going out of their way to reduce their chances. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know who, as I said, we know who Donald Trump wants.
1: He does not want to run against Biden. He wants to run against the – because of the cost connected to all the programs. And health care is the single most important issue – in the to Demo- Democrats, in the right? De- right. Yeah. Well, if you look at the national polls, remember last year in the midterm, health care emerged as the most important issue. And it's the cost of health care. And the second issue, and it's related to overall cost, and it, it gets cited in poll after poll, is the cost of pharmaceuticals. Mm. They, I mean, you go and you get a prescription, and it costs 600 bucks, and it's not covered by yeah. your insurance, and people are deeply, deeply concerned about that. And so the big difference in the Democratic field right now has to do with with the progressives like Sanders and Warren, Medicare for All, 150 million Americans, or how many there actually are, you hear different numbers all the time, that would have to give up their private insurance. Whereas Buttigieg and Biden say, you can keep your private insurance, and by the way, if it goes away, we'll have a public option for you to get coverage that way. That's the biggest difference among the Democratic candidates, and that gets cited in poll after poll
0: after right. poll. Let me just question. Do you have any, any uh, evidence that health care is also important to Republicans, or is this not an issue for – I mean, we know it's an issue for Democrats, but what about Republicans?
1: No, I think it's an issue for, for everybody. people in both parties, okay. absolutely. All right, okay.
2: One of the most favorite parts of every uh, Madonna poll <laughs> is when we ask Pennsylvanians, what is the most important problem yeah. for you in the state? And w- what we're talking about on the national level in terms of issues that are driving the presidential campaign, health care, right, immigration, mm-hmm. right, the economy. When we asked Pennsylvanians, right. there are only four issues that even got double-digit responses. Right. The biggest response was taxes, yep. mm-hmm. taxes Six, 16%, is a- yeah, okay. all right, yep. government and politicians, education and crime. Where was health care? 6%. 6%, mm-hmm. yeah. Where yeah. was immigration? 1%. Right. So whatever the national campaign is talking about, at least for now, has Mm -hmm. not come home. Now, in the heat of a campaign, when we get those issues thrown at us at all levels on television, all social media, that'll probably change. But right now, I mean, that is not what people in Pennsylvania are thinking about. Well,
0: I will tell you something I found interesting uh, in the Facebook Live yesterday is that people were, at least the people who were talking to us here, were willing to see an increase in tax for public safety. When they they in fact yeah. someone even brought up uh, the possibility of a tax on guns themselves to mm-hmm. pay for increased uh, protection for kids in schools and and it seemed to be unanimous. Yeah, we we we'd see an increase in taxes for that if we could deal with this gun violence. So who knows, right? Well, let's move on to the big issue, at least for for where we are now: the impeachment of a president. Um, I believe uh, the signs, I could be wrong, are pointing to President Trump being impeached, if not removed from office. And it looks like the majority of Pennsylvania's favor that.
1: They support they, the, the inquiry. Yeah, we asked the inquiry and 57 percent of registered voters support the inquiry. But, But I mean, what's really fascinating, and it goes to the point that John and I have been talking about this incredible polarization, only 21 percent. Of Republicans do, support it. 85% of Democrats, no surprise there. And then if you look at ideology, only 18% of conservatives, but 97% of liberals support it. 97% of liberals. So when you get down to the nitty gritty here, the inquiry itself, now we didn't ask about impeachment and removal, but the New York Times-Siena folks did. And there, when you get on to that question Pennsylvanians do not support the impeachment and removal but the numbers you know when you get into like 44 45 46% oppose or or favor it 52 53% it's the support for impeachment Itself and removal has been growing. Well, has over it been time? growing
0: as people have heard more evidence? I mean, as I mean, that's part that we haven't even gotten to the hearings yet, right? That are about to hit us. And isn't well, we've the, had
1: one kind of hearing anyway. Well, yeah, but you know, I
0: mean, where people will actually be able to hear people testify and talk. I mean, should that or would that have an impact?
2: Well, we'll see. I mean, we also haven't had much of an, uh, an opportunity to hear a solid defense mm-hmm. of anything to do with this issue, other than to say it's fake news and a witch hunt. I mean, when the lawyers get involved and begin questioning witnesses and begin questioning whistleblowers, who knows where it goes? I mean, there could be, there, there could be a change in the whole atmosphere. We just don't know because, yeah. as Joyce, you're correct in pointing out, we don't have enough information. What we have right now is just the, the polarization issue, yeah. right? I mean, the only thing we have are – and it shows in the Republican-Democrat split uh, on yep. this thing. And, and Terry referenced uh, the New York Times-Siena poll – which was very interesting to me because it focused on six critical states that will decide this election. And when you ask, when I, I guess what they did was took the averages among those six critical right. states, including Pennsylvania, of course, and it was just a bare majority, majority that even wanted to support impeachment and removal. Right. They were opposed to removal. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that tells you something yeah. going forward. Oh, or at least, again, at we least remember. At least for now. Right, at yeah. least now, where right, we
0: right
1: now, if you look at, it, just a segue to the national politics for a minute, right? you need 218 votes to impeach in the House, a, a majority. The surveys that have been done of Democratic lawmakers look like they're up to about 225, 226. I think the president's going to get impeached. There are two questions. Number one, what are the specific allegations, articles of impeachment charges? Doesn't have to be a crime. And, you know, obviously obstruction of justice, abuse of power, contempt of Congress, those three are likely to be on the table. So I think he gets impeached. The second question is when. Originally, the Democrats wanted to do this before Thanksgiving so they could get into the trial in December. What the Democrats don't want is to have a trial in the Senate, if there's going to be one, in January and February when you have the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary, and look right, at the and right. look at the Democrats' senators who are running for the presidency, right? John, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. we go. Th-
2: Which all the guarantees that the impeachment trial in the Senate will be in January and February. (laughs) And they don't want that. They want to be out in the campaign trail, I think.
0: Well, we're going to wrap up now. But one one question I do want to throw out because it really gets to the core of America's principles. And you did ask it about is the problem if a president seeks support from a foreign power to go after and and a a political opponent – I mean, that is, let's just eliminate the person, but just the issue. And how do people feel about that? It looks like that still breaks down. People are not really looking at the issue. They're still looking at politics, because you would think that would be the one thing people would not want. No one would want that to happen.
1: Well, more, more voters say they don't favor that than favor that. There, there isn't any doubt about it, that there should be no effort by the president of the United States and to reach And yet the Republican
0: out. side is... It's less. There are fewer well, people who but are— but that
1: shouldn't surprise anyone again because of the ideological differences. And, and you know, the president released the transcript, and, and, and we can argue about whether there were parts of it redacted. It looks like there were—you know, there have been interviews with the president of Ukraine, and he made the comments that there was no pressure, that there was no quid, quo, quo— Quid pro it's hard quo. to say. <laughs> Quid pro quo. That Latin, I should get yeah. that.
2: i said if if I owned a restaurant in Washington, what I would, would, you call I would it? offer a nightly special squid pro quo. <laughs>
1: squid. I like that. That's great. That's great. It
0: would be packed, too. Yeah. So yeah. I think
1: the
2: bottom the bottom line here
1: is that voters overall think that it's wrong. Now, presidents historically, however, have, have asked their counterparts in other country. To look into whether Americans have violated the laws, that's not totally uncommon.
0: Well, certainly with taxes, that has happened, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's, in general, it wasn't someone going after one particular person, <laughs> I mean, it's a general issue, right? I mean, honestly. So, well, okay. Listen, thank you both. This is there's a lot in this um, uh, Franklin and Marshall poll. It, uh, if you can download it and look at it online, it's, where can they find it online well, if they want to g- look at it? Google,
1: Google my name, and there it comes you go. Right and you can up. go it's to Penn Live; to we have it, and yep. it will be
0: on battleground pa at battleground pa as well. Uh, so, we thank uh, G. Terry Madonna as well as John Bear for joining us. For yet another debate on Battleground PA.
2: This was Battleground PA. Be sure to rate and subscribe to us so you don't miss a beat.
1: Have an idea for an episode? Tweet us at Battleground PA or email us at topics at battleground PA.org. Meanwhile, stay in the know between episodes on PenLive.com. Battleground PA is hosted by PenLive's opinion and editor, Joyce Davis and is produced by Penn Studios director Salim Michelle McClouf and edited by Martin Boutros. For more info and past episodes, visit us at battlegroundpa.org.